0: Hey, friends, welcome to the Radical Radiance Podcast. I am your host, Rebecca George, and I am so thrilled to be back with you today for day 11 of the 12 books of Christmas. Friends, we are sitting down with one of my favorite recording artists, Kelsey Grimm, today to talk all about the message of her new book, Over It. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. And I was so thrilled to get to meet Kelsey because she and her husband have been in my earbuds for many, many years. If you don't know about them, go look up their music. They cover a lot of hymns and worship music that we're all familiar with, but man, they sound so beautiful together. And so it was just a real gift to me to get to know Kelsey. So let's welcome our new friend, Kelsey, to the show. Kelsey, I am so excited to welcome you to the show. Thank you for being with me. I have wanted to get to know you for so long because I've just, I've followed you forever. And I feel like we would be friends. And now I like know the little town that you live in, in Tennessee. We've talked for a few minutes. So I just feel like we're going to be fast friends. And when I saw your book, I just knew this would be such a fun conversation for our people. So you released a book this year. What month? Remind me.
1: Literally a week ago today, which is insane.
0: Wow. Okay. Literally. That's nuts. First, so a week yeah. Yeah. That's so crazy. So crazy. Okay, so it's called over it, forgetting who you're expected to be and becoming who you already are. We love having conversations like this around here. So I'm just so excited to get into the book here in just a minute. But because this is included in our 12 Books of Christmas series that we um, do every year for Christmas which I love and uh, we actually give away a copy of all 12 books that we're featuring over the next couple of weeks to one of our listeners. And so over it will be included in that which is really fun. So before we get into the book, we need to talk a little Christmas. So let's start out by, let's talk, what did Christmas look like for you, Kelsey, when you were growing up?
1: Oh man, that's such a good question. I have such fond memories of just the Christmas season in general, growing up in my childhood. My parents did a really beautiful job. I know there's like lots of polarizing views these days about yeah. Santa Claus and we lie to our kids, do that. Yeah, I grew up in santa claus as a little girl and at some point um i mean i grew out of it at like a normal healthy age or whatever but i there was like really cute magic around it and it was fun my parents also did an amazing job of marrying the true meaning of christmas with the magic of it for a child and so Mm. i have endless fond memories of um christmas growing up but for us it was just a huge family affair. Like we had, mm. it depends on the year, but sometimes we would have all the extended family in town and it was always hosted at our house, which was awesome. And um, mm-hmm. Christmas Eve was always across the street at my grandma's house. And so that was really special. And it was always just a big, loud, fun time.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I love year. that. Yeah, I have yes. the same type of memories. And I sometimes I take that for granted. Like I realize that that's not the case for everybody, but we just my parents did the same they did a great job of keeping the true meaning of christmas the true meaning of christmas but also we had so much fun and we ate so much yummy food and we made all of the christmas crafts and all the things so yeah so do you when you think back or even with your kids now either way like if you have a better example with your kids that's fine do you have a favorite like thing that you do or tradition that you do each year that you like kind of look forward to
1: yeah. So there actually is. It it was kind of an adjustment, to be honest, getting married, because, you know, yeah. when you're a kid and you're growing up, and your parents have done traditions the same way every year. This is kind of just how you do things. And then when you marry yeah. someone, you've kind of got to blend traditions or start your own from scratch. And so Caleb and I had a little bit of a trial and error for the first couple of years of our marriage, but we've fallen into a really, really beautiful uh, Christmas Eve tradition. Um, that we do just our little family, just the five of us. Oh, I love and, this. And um, Caleb usually makes a big charcuterie board um, mm. around the coffee table in the living room with Christmas music. And then Caleb will read the Christmas story from the Bible to the kids. And there's a little puzzle that we have that goes with it. And they can kind mm-hmm. of like the pieces. And it's a really sweet, just kind of intimate family moment for us. And so that's become one of my favorite christmas traditions that we've kind of adopted just like this very small around the tree charcuterie board you know eating together reading the story together remembering what christmas is all about and of course we yeah. put up with our kids and they think you know it's just fun it's just bringing a little bit of the magic into it for the little ones but um yeah it's just a really sweet little tradition that we've adopted for our family so we love it.
0: i love that i love that that's so fun okay this is maybe my favorite question. Do you have something that you have to eat on Christmas day? Like you, I know for me, like with my family, the meal that we eat on Christmas day, like I don't eat that meal. The other 364 any days of the year, time. right? Like there are just things that you only like who eats sweet potato casserole any other day, but Christmas day. So like, oh is that what you were going to say? Okay,
1: you get it. You get it then. Okay. So every single Christmas morning, um, we go to my mom's like later on in the morning now that we have little uh-huh. ones of our own, but we go over to her house for brunch and it's a whole extended family affair. Once again, like that, yeah, that will never go away. And we there is this very specific brunch meal that we eat every mm. year without fail, and it is my favorite meal of the year. She makes yeah. my mom makes this like baked French toast that has an apple caramel. Oh, layer yeah, girl. on it,
0: yeah. Oh, my
1: god. Ridiculous and like an egg casserole and what else? There's oh cheesy potatoes, a fruit mm. salad. It's just this beautiful brunch spread, and I literally live for it every year. So yes, yes I I can't imagine Christmas morning without that brunch meal. It wouldn't yeah. be Christmas brunch.
0: <laughs> no, it would not be. I love so, that so yeah. much.
1: Those three things: the French toast, the cheesy potatoes, and that egg casserole that we make. <sighs> yeah. So,
0: Hey, friends, quick break in today's conversation to tell you about our giveaway. We are giving away a copy of all 12 of the 12 books of Christmas to one podcast listener. I want you to know how to enter. Hop on over to my Instagram at Rebecca George Author, where you can enter every day. Every day, we're posting about who we're having on the show, and you can enter in the comments of those posts to enter yourself in the giveaway. Again, one person. 12 books. I can't wait to announce the winner on Christmas Day. Let's get back to our conversation. There's nothing like a breakfast casserole on Christmas morning. So good.
1: Casseroles okay. are kind of, they get a bad rep, but you know what? On Christmas morning, the egg casserole, I'm, I'm here
0: for it. I know. I yeah. am too. It's so good. So, so good. Okay. So, I am so excited to dig into your book. So, I'm going to say the title of it again for people who might not have caught it earlier over it. Forgetting who you're expected to be and becoming who you already are. So you share a little bit about, well, a lot about a relationship that really ultimately helped you realize the true importance of letting go, right, of the expectations that maybe people place on us and and really embracing the beauty of who God made you to be. And so for listeners who don't know anything about your story as much as you want to share, will you share a little bit about kind of the backdrop of your story that kind of led to this book?
1: Yes, absolutely. So um, I'm a pastor's kid, so I'm going to start. <gasps> okay, I'm a pastor's wife. A pastor. okay, we already so have a lot in common.
0: Kid. Yeah, okay.
1: You will understand this then. If you're a pastor's wife or a pastor's kid or you grew up in the church um, with a lot of people watching you, um, then yeah. I don't have to explain this idea of the fishbowl effect, you know? Right. That, like, from every angle of your life, people are watching you, and people— um, you know, there are a lot of great people out there, but there are a lot of people out there too that want to see you fail. They want to yeah. see you fall. And I think I understood at a really young age, just being a pastor's kid and growing up in that kind of environment, that people needed me to be a certain thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like I needed to uphold this image that I was perfect. And yeah. if I wasn't perfect, then I needed to at least appear that way. Yeah. And of course that was never a message that was, told to me verbally you know these were just things that I picked up and absorbed over time yeah um and and so for me it started really young but the way that it kind of translated to my adult journey is that by the time I got to college um I think I just lived most of my life suppressing the parts of me that were messy and so Mm. um you know keeping up this exterior while the interior kind of was crumbling. I mean, if yeah. I'm totally honest. And so um, by the time I got to college, I didn't really know who I was. You know, I was mm. Kelsey, the good girl and Kelsey, who knew all of the answers and could tell you what the answers were. But inside, I think I was just dying to be set free, really for yeah. myself. You know, I, I didn't want to be this perfect person that I felt like everyone around me expected me to be. And I needed mm. some space to come into myself. And Ultimately,
0: you
1: know, I, it's an interesting slow fade, you know, when you start to bend to the expectations and the standards of people around you, you will start to do that more quickly and more often as Mm. your journey progresses, you know? And so that's exactly what happened to me. I found myself in this relationship in college and, um, I was trying desperately to be who I thought that this man wanted me to be. I wanted him to love me. And um, the reality was that he loved an idea of me and I was doing whatever it took to live up to it. And so, um, you know, I just gave away pieces of myself in hopes that I could become who I felt like this man wanted me to be. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it was a constant like chipping away at myself. And so ultimately that relationship um, it was incredibly destructive and damaging in a whole lot of yes. ways. I mean, I we got to a place where he abused me sexually and emotionally and psychologically. And it was really, really awful. Um, yeah. And I lived under that heavy hand of his for a long time. I mean, I got engaged to him at one point yeah. because I felt so trapped in this world. Um, and, Eventually I I got out. I escaped that relationship. I mean, barely, but I did. And, um, I waited a really, really long time, uh, before I told anyone what had happened
0: Mm. and what
1: he had done to me and the things that he had said to me. And ultimately it was because I lived with so much shame. I felt like it was my fault that I found myself in that relationship, that I decided myself to that place in that relationship. And, um, I mean, fast forward to the meat of this story. I moved back home into my parents' house with no future ahead of me because I had called out this engagement. I finished school and had no job, didn't know where I was going, didn't know what I was doing. And I was walking around with this heavy burden, this secret, you know, that Mm. I couldn't share. I felt that I couldn't share. Um, And so I was offered an opportunity to come audition for a girl group here in Nashville. And I was like, well... I have nothing else to lose. I may as well go try. I'll always wonder, you know. Yeah. Made the group and they gave us six weeks to move here. And I moved here thinking that I could leave my past in the past and just kind of turn the page and start over. And the reality of trauma, if, you know, if you're listening to this and you have been through something traumatic and you haven't dealt with it, the reality Mm -hmm. is you don't get to turn the page and pretend like it never happened you. It will follow you. Your past will follow you to the present and you yeah. will be faced with it again.
0: yeah if you do not deal
1: with it. And that is exactly what happened to me when I moved to Nashville. So unfortunately, I didn't get that fresh start that I was mm-hmm. so desperate for. You know, I thought I could move to this place where nobody knew me. Nobody knew what I'd been through. I could start over. I could create and curate this new life for myself. And it just didn't happen that way.
0: And mm. I mean,
1: my story got far worse before it got better, and I fell into the wrong crowd because I didn't believe anything good about myself anymore. I didn't know who I was. I was a shell of a person at that time. Yeah. Um. You know, and I I found drinking and alcohol, and it, I found that it numbed the pain that I walked yeah. with every day, and it was really awful. And then one night, I got a call from my manager, and he was like, "Kelsey." this isn't working. Yeah. Um, you are self-sabotaging and we are like an inch away from sending you home. And I was like, mm-hmm. you can't send me home. I have nowhere to go. And he was like, okay, but you have to understand like, we're at our wits end here. You know, you're, this is crazy. You're out of control. And he was right. I mean, he was very yeah. right. And so that night, um, kind of culminated in this moment. I was driving down, a um, a really dark road here in Nashville, but I was alone. It was raining. And I had this moment where I contemplated what it would be like to just end it all. And, um, you know, I, I had, I don't know that it was a conscious decision, but I was driving and I felt my car start to veer over the center line and there was a bridge coming up ahead. And I, for a, you know, fraction of a second in time, I was like, this feels like the only way out for me. Yeah. This feels like, and then my phone rang and it was my dad. And that was the phone call that very literally saved my life that night. Um, I picked it up and, you know, um, you'll read all of this story in great detail in my book if you if you get a chance to read it. But um, that was the beginning for me. Of, yeah. The trajectory of my life changing and headed in a direction of healing, and so I found a counselor. And for months and months and months, um, I worked through the trauma of just like my upbringing and yeah. you know, um, the, living up to these ridiculous standards that really no one asked me to do. It's just mm. this thing I understood and adopted and did my whole life yeah. that led me, you know, to contemplating my life one night on a bridge in Nashville. Like it was, you know, that's, that was the breaking point for me. That was rock bottom. And so, um, you know, that, that night and what happened after that, that was my journey back to healing and my journey back to recognizing maybe for the first time, to be honest, who I was, what my identity was in Jesus and Mm. where my worth comes from, not because of what I had to offer anyone, yeah. but because I am already loved by the one who created me. And yeah. that alone gives me inherent worth. I have inherent worth and value because I exist. And that is my message Oh, for any, I'm so passionate about it. That is my message yeah. for every person that picks up this book. I want, I want them to read my story and the realities of it. And then I want them to read about the redemption that followed it because the reality is that God brought me out of a darkness that I I mean, it's hard to describe, you know, I I did my book, but, um, you know, what I want women to walk away hearing and knowing is that you're already loved right where you sit today. And the world asks us to be a million different things and tells us what the standards are and how to live up to them. Yeah. No one's asking that of you, and,
0: yeah.
1: and like these are things that we can't, we can't live up to, even if we try. So mm-hmm. let go and just step into who you already are, because you are a walking image of God. Like He yeah. took a piece of Himself and crafted us. You know, we are made in the Imago Dei, which is the image of God Himself. So that's, I mean, that's. Where my worth comes from, you know, yeah. I can step into that, and I can walk with my head held high because I'm already loved. You know, yeah. I'm already enough. As I show up today, and all of my mess, and all of my past,
0: I'm enough, and that—that yeah. that is my prayer for the people who yeah. read my book. Just a quick break in the conversation to tell you about one of our sponsors, Primally Pure. Primally Pure is a skincare brand that uses only pure ingredients that bring real Like actual results cleansers toners body oil natural deodorants they've created all of the above and right now i am loving their cleansing oil it takes my makeup off so well you guys i think you would just love it so just for the radical radiance community they have created a coupon code for 10 percent off your first purchase site-wide so go to the website today and use the code rebecca10 with a capital r so rebecca10 at checkout i hope you enjoy that so much and let's get back to our conversation Yeah. Kelsey, I just want to say it is so incredibly brave of you to like, you didn't have to do this. Like you didn't have to go down the path of like chronicling what God has done to redeem your story for other people. But like, what a gift to those listening who like, I don't want to take for granted that there are women listening to this right now who are in a similar season to that season you were in in Nashville a few years ago. I don't I don't want to take that for granted and such a beautiful reminder and encouragement to them that you just gave. Um I think we we have all you know to varying degrees you we've reached a point in adulthood where we have looked back at no matter how healthy of a childhood we had, no matter how healthy of, you know, young adulthood we had. We all have stuff that has formed who we are in, in, um, in maybe unhealthy ways because the reality is no matter how amazing of parents we had, no matter how amazing the church community that we grew up in was, um, whether that was your story or not, we are all imperfect people walking into this life. And so I just think, It's such a beautiful thing that you've taken your story and allowed God to use it not only to redeem you, but also to be like a caveat of of like creating freedom for other people. And so for the girl listening who is like, yeah, Rebecca, Kelsey, like I'm there like right now, you know, in the days that followed that conversation with your dad as you drove across that bridge, like what were your first few steps towards healing or maybe practical things? This is off script, but this is just a Holy spirit thing. (laughs) Um, What are maybe the first few things that you would say like, Hey, this is where I want to point you today as like a starting place.
1: Yes. That's such a good question. And so practical because what I've learned along this journey and the more open I've become and sharing my story, the more I've realized my, unfortunately, my story is not uncommon. Yeah. There are so many women, so many girls who have found themselves in similar scenarios who might be, maybe you're listening to this right now and you're going, Oh my gosh, he doesn't treat me right. Or he makes me feel uncomfortable or he pushes me too far or I don't feel good enough when I'm with him or, and this doesn't just have have to apply to a significant other relationship. This, this might be just someone else in your life who makes you feel like you're not good enough. If you, if that's you and you're listening to this, first of all, I want you to know it's, you're not the problem. It's that person and their insecurities that they're projecting onto you. Um, Secondly, we were never meant to journey through this life alone. We were Mm -hmm. never meant To struggle alone. And so for a year and a half, I carried those secrets around with me. Before I ever uttered a word of what I had been through in college, what I had been through with that man that I was engaged to, get some help. Please get some help. Like there is such a stigma. And I think that it's breaking and I'm watching it. I do too, Kelsey.
0: Yeah. And
1: I am here for it. I did not grow up in a family or a a community or an environment that fostered, um, you know, an awareness around mental health, but I'm living there now. And I, I am not ashamed to say I couldn't climb out alone and I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be sitting here today um, if I didn't get help. And so if you're listening to this, And you are in a place that is dark and it is scary. And you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Please, would you just reach out to somebody, somebody that you trust, somebody that you can just say, Hey, I'm not okay. That's the first step. That is the first step is admitting that you're not okay and allowing someone that you trust, even if not fully, just someone that you feel like you could text that to or call um, would you come alongside me and just meet me where I am right now? That is yeah. a crucial step. And it's not, there should be no shame in that step. Like I want to affirm how brave and how courageous you are for being willing to take a step to ask someone to help you. Like, again, yeah. life is meant to be lived together and in community. So please mm-hmm. open the door and let someone in. Um, yeah that would be my first piece of advice. Um and then I mean I can't I can't stress this part enough. If you are in a relationship with someone, again, whether this is a boyfriend or a husband or just a friendship or some love, a, a boss even, yeah. um in a relationship in life where someone is telling you that you have to be something that you're not. Mm-hmm. Get out. Yeah. Get out. You you are better than that. You're worth more than that. Like God created you and only one you. So don't be afraid. Don't, don't be afraid to step into that person who you are, because you are meant to be here. You're meant to take up space in the world, leave your Mm. footprints, no matter how messy you're, you know, out of like, my path is messy. Like my footsteps are all over the place, but Hey, I'm living them. And learning from them every day. And I have finally reached a point in my life where I'm okay to look back at the footsteps and how messy and off path they've been because here I am today living fully in Christ and I'm living an abundant Mm -hmm. life free of what people think of me and what anyone wants to say about me. Like I am confident in my identity in Christ and that's what I want for the girl listening to this who just feels like, She's not enough. You are. You are enough. Wherever you are listening to this today, you are enough. Yeah. And I'm I'm like walking, living proof of, you know, stepping into that. And it's a thing that you have to step into every day. It's a choice that you make. It's not a point of arrival. I wish that it were. It would be much easier. It'd be a lot easier. Yeah. (laughs) I arrived. I figured it out. Oh, I have not but I'm step I'm making a choice to step into myself every day and to be, you know fully aware that I was created for such a time as this. And so yeah, I'm, I'm gonna own that.
0: yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, no, I love that so much. And yeah. I think the thing that has gotten a little a little wonky and complicated for people over the last few years is there has been such a rise of this like, hustle, do all the things, you know, you're the hero of your own story type of like, kind of mindset. And then there's this conflicting message of but like, you're enough, you are enough. And it's like, from the world's perspective, we like battle this, like, okay, on one side, I'm supposed to do all the things and I'm supposed to. And I'm, I'm gonna get up earlier and blah, blah, blah. And like the scripture has a lot to say about self-discipline and all of those things right. also has a lot to say about rest and a lot to say about like resting in the lord right and so on the flip side we see this message of you are enough and it conflicts with what the world tells us and so there's this tension there because we're forgetting that the only reason that we're enough Is because we are a redeemed child of God, right? Like, He is, His Spirit is living inside us, giving us discernment. He is our helper. Like, we are, even if you feel alone in the midst of this season or this conversation, as a follower of Christ, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And we forget that so often. And we try to operate in our own strength, which is, why i think we perpetuate this like okay i have to meet the expectations of others i have to do it all on my own Um, and those are the things and the biblical truth that we're forgetting in those seasons and so i'm curious like as you were writing the book and this whole idea of forgetting who you're expected to be so like the expectations of others and the struggle there as as you wrote about that and as you talk to women about that, what are some of the expectations that you think are maybe holding women back right now?
1: Well, I think that you just touched on it. I mean, we live in a breakneck paced society, right? Like there is very little time for slowing down and for taking in moments. And I think part of this journey for me has been forcing myself to slow down. Mm-hmm. Even I mean, like I'm not going to pretend that life isn't crazy with three kids under the age of five, and you yeah. know, a, a career and writing a book. I mean, that it, it's there. It's a lot, you know. Yeah. But taking time and taking steps back, I think yeah. is important because as women, we are expected to do all the things. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't you can hardly be a stay at home mom anymore without people saying, Oh, so that's that's all you do? As if right. that isn't like an actual full time job. The highest and holiest
0: person. calling of any human being. Yeah,
1: that's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. I mean, but you hear that a lot these yeah. days because there is this expectation now that you can't stay home with your kids, you know, and be a homemaker and a wife and a mom and that's somehow not enough anymore. You know, you have mm-hmm. to also contribute financially, and you have to pull your weight out in the world. And you have to like let people know that you're a working stay-at-home mom, and you're doing your, you know, you're spinning all yeah. these plates. And man, it's exhausting. Like even just talking about it, I'm I hate it. I mean, I hate yeah. it. And with the rise of social media, it is darn near impossible, right, to live in today's society as a woman without scrolling through your phone and seeing. Exactly what, like this, okay, this is what I'm supposed to look like. Mm. This is how I'm supposed to show up in the world. I need to be doing this more and this more and this more and this more. And the truth is that when we move at that pace in our lives, we miss God. Yeah. We're missing him. Like we are missing opportunities, you know, to open our eyes, to the fact that he is all around us. Like yeah. he shows up in places we'd never expect him to be. If only we have eyes to see. And I think in our culture, in a society where the standard, like the baseline is you wear 18 hats as one mm. person, like we're bound to crash and burn.
0: It, yeah. That day
1: is coming, you know? And if you haven't yet, you're going to. Yeah. I, my encouragement would be to take things out of your life. I mean, systematically Mm. cut things out. If that's what needs to happen for you to slow down, slow down so that you don't miss the moments. You don't miss the moments of your children. Like I see God in my, more in my children than Mm -hmm. maybe anything else. I mean, I, I, I think that the ways that we connect with God change in our lives and and Mm in different seasons of our lives. And in this season of my life, I see God so much in the eyes of my children and in moments when they're playing out in the backyard. And if I don't put this away, my phone, and take the time to see and sit in the moment that I'm in and to learn to be present, those moments pass by. Yeah, They pass by. And so I think it is okay. And I think it's actually not even okay. It's necessary as a woman living in today's society to pick and choose carefully Mm -hmm. where you're spending your time and your energy and what Mm -hmm. you're allowing to influence your decision-making. Like we can choose to scroll and let, you know, the internet tell us what we're supposed to be, who we're Mm -hmm. supposed to be, how we're supposed to look and show up in the world. Or we could put that away. And we could show up mm-hmm. in the right now where yeah. we're present be in the room we're sitting in be there mm-hmm. you know be in the outside with your kids when you're sitting there like be there take a moment and a breath to process the right now because that's yeah. the reality of life isn't it like we are yeah. only promised this very moment yeah so what are we doing with it yeah you know are you living in it Or are you living in, you know, this breakneck pace that we're old as normal? Yeah. I don't think life was ever meant to be lived this fast.
0: Yeah, Um, I don't either.
1: You know, so I I think slowing down, there's so much value there. If we could only force ourselves to do it.
0: I agree. I had a conversation on the show a couple months ago with, so Jennifer Dukes Lee, she wrote a book called "Growing Slow" this past year, and it's mm. all about. And she calls herself like a recovering, like achiever, and and yeah. she basically. Chronicles this journey she and God have been on of like, what does it look like for me to grow slow? Like what does it look like for me to run at a pace that's sustainable over the long haul? Um, and I think if I remember correctly for her she had sort of a health crisis that kind of forced her into that rhythm and It was such a sobering reminder to me of like Lord help me not to get <laughs> help me not to get to that place Like how can I put some guardrails up now in this season? Um and that's never going to feel comfortable. Like we, I think we're we're kind of like looking for permission to do that or to rest. I was actually writing about this today as part of my book. Um, we want permission to like not do all the things right and we're not gonna we're never gonna get it like nobody's gonna ever hand us a permission slip of like you have permission to actually sabbath on saturday you have permission to shut down work and not be on social in the evenings with your family we have to choose that we will never stumble upon rest it's gonna be intentional and so i think more than ever before that's just something that we have to almost force in a good way in our lives yes. for it to happen so i totally yes. agree with you it
1: won't happen accidentally. that's for
0: sure yeah for sure i'm it's curious yeah yes that's the best word intentionality i think is is so important there um i'm curious for you and caleb like as you guys have continued you know growing up in the music industry together i'm curious like what has this whole idea of letting go of the expectations of others how has that been challenged for y'all with your work I don't know i'm just I'm just curious as you wrote this book like there had to have been pieces of like your work that I don't know I would imagine you guys have had to put some boundaries in place and kind of navigate that yes. in that space as well right
1: yes absolutely I mean the reality is Caleb and I do so much faith-based music because we are deep rooted there i mean yeah it matters to us it means something to us um and like I said our roots, Are planted in our faith, Um, but you know, if you've been around for any length of time and listened to Caleb and I's music over the course of the last seven, eight years, then you would know we also do some pop, we also do Mm -hmm. some country, we also we kind of do a a whole lot of things. We cover the gamut, and um, people have all kinds of things to say. You know, oh, I'm sure what Caleb and I do, and what we wear, and how we present ourselves, and our level of honesty, and you know, we have been pretty open on social media about our marriage and our struggles inside within our marriage, you know, and yeah. the things that we've been through. And I think it's important. And I, I tend to be an open book. Um, yeah. You know, and, and in a lot of ways, I don't shy away from di- difficult conversations or topics because what I want to see happen is for stigmas to be broken. Right, in yeah. the church. I want to see stigmas broken in conservative Christian culture. I want there to be conversations around the things that people are scared to have conversations around. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, for me, I've had to get to a place where what people say about me and and the messages that I that I get, you know, they don't um, they don't not that they don't affect me. I mean the, the reality sure. is I'm human and words hurt. You know, words can carry hurt and words can carry healing and people often choose to use their words to hurt people. And so I would be lying if I said that it didn't affect me, but I think I've gotten to a place where, again, I'm abandoning what the weight of what people Mm. say to me, uh, kind of both for good and bad. Like I, I appreciate people's, um, positive affirmations, but the reality is, um, if what people think and say of me matters the most to me, then one of two things will happen. If they say something horrible to me, then it destroys me and levels me. And I feel like I'm not good enough. Yeah. And the other side of that is when people build me up and, you know, if my, if what people think of me has the power to raise me up, mm-hmm. then it boosts my ego. And so yeah. for me, like neither one of those things is why I'm doing what I'm doing, right? Right. I I and Caleb and I are singing because we feel like we're called to do this and that this is a gift that we've been given and we've been given a platform and we're trying to steward it well. You know, same with my book. Like, I feel I have felt like God has opened all of these doors for me and all I've continuously done is walk through an open door. These are not things that I've, you know... I've been knocking down doors to, to have happen. Like, these are just things that I feel like the Lord has allowed me to step into. And so Mm -hmm. I will continue to do that. But it's really important to maintain a level headedness um, in how you allow what people say to you affect Mm you. You know, Mm -hmm. I can, I can choose to let it tell me what my identity is and what my worth and value is, you know, but the reality is I already know. Yeah. Where my worth and value come from, and it's not from what people say about me. So yeah. I I am free to walk, you know, confidently, knowing that people will say all kinds of things, good and bad, mm. and and I'm okay. You know, I'm okay because
0: yeah.
1: my identity is in who the way that God sees me, and the way yeah. that God sees me is His daughter, His child.
0: Yeah.
1: He delights in me and. You know, if we could all start to see ourselves from that point of view, I think it would really change the way that we show up in the world and the way that we show up for each other. You know, if I could, if we could remember that God delights in us, we are his Mm. babies, that he loves us so much. You know, it really would change the way that we treat other people and the way that we speak about other people. Um. So it, you know, it it is hard. I mean, it's hard to be in the space that Caleb and I are in, but I think it's also just important to hold it loosely. Like God has given us this opportunity to sing together, and we're going to do that, you know. And and it doesn't matter what people say, you know. Yeah. We we also get really amazing messages of the way that music the music has affected people and impacted them, and. You know, our music has found its way into some really dark places in people's lives. And those messages will old. I mean, Caleb and I have sat many a time crying over really powerful messages that people have sent about, you know, the way that our music has brought them out of some really dark places. And that will always make this journey worth it. It will.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. The verse that God kept bringing me back to as So we rebranded the podcast a few months ago to Radical Radiance, which is our name now. And God kept bringing me back to this verse in Psalm 34. It's verse 5. It says, those who look to him are radiant and their faces are never covered in shame. I just, I don't want to miss that. That. That vision, that mission of like what we're about here is so tied to this conversation. And that's why it matters so much to me, because when we look to him, when we abide in him and we see this all throughout the pages of scripture. That is what makes us radiant. It has nothing to do with outer beauty. It has nothing to do with performance or achieving. It has everything to do with who we are in Christ. And that also takes care of like the shame factor that we're talking about. Right. When, when we have our eyes fixed on him the shame disappears, right? Because we know that those thoughts aren't from him. And so one of my favorite ways of saying the whole approval thing is you're not going to stand before them, whoever they are, and give an account for your life one day. You're going to stand before God. You're going to stand before him. So like when we do that, when we abide in him, that is where we're going to find joy. That is where we're going to find abundance. That's where we're going to find joy. And so, I just think that's such a powerful reminder. So I I can attest to you all do a beautiful job. I think of being um, vulnerable and an open book. And I actually really appreciate that because I agree with you that um, we can either perpetuate the problem of being a highlight reel or we can be honest in a way that is redemptive. And I think that's what you guys have done. So I I think that's beautiful. Well, I am so 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 excited about the message of your book. I'm going to say the name of it one more time. It's called Over It: Forgetting Who You're Expected to Be and Becoming Who You Already Are. I can't wait for listeners to go grab a copy. I can't wait for our winner of the giveaway to win a copy. And um Kelsey, I'm just so thankful for you. Thank you for being honest and sharing your story and thank you for being with me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Rebecca. It's been such an honor and thank you for giving me a a
0: space to show up as I am. I, I to me. Man, did you not love Kelsey? I really enjoyed that conversation and I can't believe that we are almost done with the 12 books of Christmas. Guys, tomorrow is Christmas Eve, which means that tomorrow is our last episode of this series, but I saved what I think may be the best for last. Tomorrow, we are sitting down with one of my heroes, the author that... Um, I read in middle school and high school. I have so many memories of her books. We are sitting down with the one and only Karen Kingsbury tomorrow. I can't wait. So make sure you tune in. I know tomorrow is going to be busy for you, but grab 30 minutes, go on a walk, grab a cup of coffee and join Karen and I in the morning.